everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Thurston County, Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Welcome to a surprise episode 126 of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And folks, this is a celebratory show. Uh, this is the reason that if you haven't already, you click the subscribe button and click the little bell so that you get notified when we go live because there might be something worth talking about at any time regarding your Seattle Seahawks. And we may just be bored enough to come on and talk because uh, that's just how interesting our lives are. But there's news. And I think you all know the news. But the one, the only, the most beloved seven reception Seahawk of all time, Josh Gordon, will be coming back to your Seahawks. And we are going to talk about it tonight, talk about what it means, how we feel about it, implications. We'll also talk about updates on the injury situation from Injury Report and how, how that's going. But let me bring in the fellas. Uh, Evan Hill at Evan S-E-A on Twitter. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Today is a, today is a good day. This is a day we've been waiting for for a long time. I think we have some feelings on how the NFL and – uh, Roger Goodell handled this entire situation, but you know, it's better late than never. And I'm excited for Josh. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Cashman for a second. It threw me, 
but but oh i i'm never happy with josh cashman <laughs> never happy with him whatsoever i got into like a cable thanos wormhole the other day somehow what's that tell me about it like watch like i i was watching one of his i was like trying to explain to someone who he was and like what he does and they're really hard to explain to someone who's like not on twitter or like seahawks twitter and then i end up like watching like 10 of his like 2018 videos in a row jeff what was your like so when the person asked you who's cable thanos what were like the first words that came out of your mouth like like how did you initially describe him i said he's like the seahawks meme guy (laughs) back when josh used to make videos on twitter the 2018 videos were really good yeah yeah you know that it's you know it's tough it's He's tough busy. in a creative world to have new, new fresh ideas especially if you want to have if you want to have some level of quality to what you're doing and not just not just go out there and do something half-assed like do a podcast that you haven't planned any agenda for and just get on there and make it all <laughs> up like you want something that's quality and i think josh does does that so i, I respect- like brian schoenheimer like fart noises half half <laughs> half the time like quality quality content like that exactly exactly okay. that takes deep thought i i know i know it's it's something that he reflects on we know actually joking aside we know how hard josh works he's up all night on those things um literally you know he is that kid doesn't sleep for like 30 hours straight yeah it, i it's insane i can't do that i'm i i'm not an all-nighter kind of guy uh I'm a wake up at three in the morning kind of guy. I can do that, but I can't. You're lucky I'm awake right now. Yeah, no, it's so true. Uh, <laughs> you've already heard his voice, but let me make sure to bring him in. Uh, Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Uh, Jeff, it's been so long, man. What, what's happened since the last time we saw you? Well, there's a lot of videos of you getting hit by the microphone every time I tried to talk last, last night. So I do get a chance to talk tonight for those who were kind of sad I got cut off. So. Yeah, yeah, there's, full, at, least, there's at least one or two people that maybe that, max one. Max yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's true. We we give Jeff a lot of grief because he is the friendly Canadian and he's always patient here and doesn't interrupt and you know is is tends to be a little bit more mild mannered than than some of the other people on this podcast uh, who shall remain nameless. Uh, but then. If you go back and listen to the pods, like Jeff constantly has some of the best observations and analysis of what's going on with the Seahawks. It's just very understated. And we get these requests like, well, you guys just let Jeff talk, like stop talking like I'm doing right now. Um, yeah. And we haven't really learned our lesson. So so it's good. It's good to have you, dude. And it, with that in mind, um, let's talk about Josh Gordon, man. Um, what what you know, when did you hear what we what were you in the middle of doing when you heard and what was your immediate reaction? Jeff? Me or Evan? Jeff. Uh, Jeff. I finally had a chance to talk. And I don't even know. This, why, this is your big chance. So oddly enough, I, I was on a work call. And usually between work calls, I go on Twitter. And I go on Twitter. I see it. I didn't look at our running group chat. I posted it. And Evan instantly made fun of me because there were probably 20 messages breaking down the Josh Gordon signing. So a classic Canadian too late, bad internet, but I, I was excited. I, I didn't, it's not like huge news or anything, but if you listen to the show, the last two shows we've had, I brought up one thing and constantly that the Seahawks kind of lack a third option in the passing game. 
that I've been comfortable with. I was hoping Will Disley might emerge. David Moore's had some moments this year, but I don't know where Josh is at this point. I don't know where he is physically or mentally, but having a third option in this passing game to me is super important for this team to get back to where it can be. And mostly offensively because really Lockett's kind of fizzled in the last five games and he might be hurt as well. And to give Russell another option if teams sell it hard to cover DK, I think that opens a lot in the passing game. And that was what I think Philip Dorsett was brought in for and he hasn't really played. So having that extra option, essentially an insurance policy, I think is really valuable for them. Yeah. Evan, I, I find Josh Gordon to be one of the most fascinating Seahawks ever. And, and I, I mean, I mean that. And the reason I say that is I got so many, I don't know about you guys. I got so many questions about Josh Gordon during the off season. Like I got questions about Josh Gordon. Like he was Jadavian Clowney in terms of a priority in terms of like, he was on people's mind and, and minds and they, he really in a very short time, made a big impression on people or at least captured their imagination for what he could be. But you look back at his numbers. I mean, he literally had like seven catches in like 150 yards or something like the guy didn't actually produce that much, but he's, he is like deeply seated in Seahawks uh, fans minds. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to that 2013 season where he had like, 87 catches, nine touchdowns, and almost 1,700 receiving yards. Since then, he's only played, I'm just looking at it here, uh, 63 games in the NFL. I think there's an element of like, have we ever seen Josh Gordon fulfill his true potential? Um, And I think a logical answer to that might be no, because he just hasn't played played in that many games and he's never really played with any super capable quarterback. I can't like, I'm ready. but like that was a very short time, right? Was it that he's in, wasn't it? It's like a year and a half, a year and a half. Well, I would argue Russell right now is better than what Tom Brady was playing like then, but that's a different discussion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like it's, it's the best quarterback he's ever played with. He's still, like kind of young. I mean, 29, that's, you know, so 29. T- he's 29 years old. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of shocking to me today, actually, to find out. I thought he was like Antonio Brown age or, or something like that in 33, 34. But I, I think he, I think, I think he brings a lot of value to this offense. You know, Brian, you said seven receptions, 139 yards. You're right. He didn't produce a lot from a volume perspective before he was suspended in week 15 of last year, but I do remember vividly discussing with you guys key moments that he came up for this offense, key third down conversions. I have vivid memories of these slants and these conversions. They were not, you know, huge yards after the catch or anything like that, but this offense relied on him in big key moments. I think what Jeff mentioned about the Tyler Lockett stuff is probably something we should give more, uh, airtime too there's been a lot of talk and rumor recently that tyler lock is potentially a little bit more injured than pete carroll is letting on and maybe that explains the recent dip in productivity from him um i was not impressed with david moore on sunday we talked about that as a group um i don't think any of us were impressed with him adding a josh gordon to the mix 
as a capable wide receiver three, how can you not love this? It's, it's a bummer that it happened so late in the season. And I'm really upset that Roger Goodell didn't expedite this, but Hey, better late, you know, better late than never. And good for the kid. I'm excited for him. Yeah. Let's, let's come back to the NFL's handling of this and, and like what role Dave Moore will play and, and like, is he wider here? Three wider here four? like, well, let's talk about that in a little bit, but I mean, my take on why he's, he's so beloved by Seahawks fans. And I don't know if beloved is really the right word, but why he's so, so resident living rent-free in Seahawks fans' minds is a couple of things. Like one, um, you kind of touched on it, Evan. There was a time where he was the best receiver in the NFL. Not like one of the best. He was the best receiver in the NFL. He was uncoverable and he was going for like 160 yards and two touchdowns a game like people he was like the closest thing to randy moss you know in the league at that time and so i think he's shown top 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 shelf talent i don't think he's the same guy he was then but i I think that that's exciting to know you've got a guy with that kind of ceiling um or at least that kind of talent and then the other is um, having somebody with that kind of potential that's going to be playing second or third or even fourth fiddle, you know, that's interesting for a few reasons. One, it's interesting because you don't, you're not counting on him. You're not counting on him, but he can potentially play like a number one receiver in any of those spots if need to for any given game and win you a football game because he might be matched up on the number four cornerback. We've talked a lot about, you know, this weekend, even the, the Seahawks are playing the giants. The giants have one good cornerback and we're all like, you know, I made the bet with you, Evan last night. I think Tyler Lockett's going to go off this week because they they're going to commit a lot of attention to DK. If somehow they decide to commit two safeties, like one safety to DK, one safety to Tyler and they're going to double both of them. Like the bills kind of did this, right? Some other teams have, have tried to just really take away the wide receivers and make Russell go elsewhere. David Moore hasn't proven that he can be the guy that really punishes you for that. Josh Gordon could be like you give Josh Gordon one-on-one. He's probably going to win. So I, I think that that's, I think that's another thing that, that captures people's attention. Like this is not just your typical third receiver. This is a former number one of number ones playing your number three or number four and that's that's really interesting and i think the last thing um that stood out for me maybe not for everybody it's pretty rare for a guy like that with that past to seamlessly accept role player like wide receivers are divas like that's just their nature even doug baldwin who is like a great human being that does all sorts of stuff in the community and is humble in many ways. He had clear diva tendencies, right? Like Josh Gordon, like he took the reception, he took the targets that came his way and didn't really cause any disturbance about that last year. So I gained a lot of respect for him like that. I think some things that are going to be interesting this year is Russell's actually gotten better at throwing the slants. He's had, he's been working on it with DK I think that's Josh Gordon's best route. And you put both of them in there on that. 
I think there's something interesting there. So um, those are, I mean, those are a couple of things that jump out to me. Um, do one of you know the story? Like I do, but I don't want to keep talking. Um, to give people the details about when he can come back, when he can start practicing, you know, at what point in the season. Jeff, do you want to share that? Okay, so he's not eligible to play until week 16, which the Seahawks play the Rams at home. So that'll be a huge game. He's now eligible to start COVID tests tomorrow. He's going to do his testing. I think it's a six-day testing period. And then he's eligible to start strength and conditioning once he passes that, but isn't able to practice with the team. I don't believe he's able to practice with the team until week 15 or 16. But until then, he's just able to work with – he's able to be in meetings. He's able to be around the team. I don't think he can travel to games. I don't think he can practice. But he can be in the building. He can be in meetings. He can oh. practice, travel with the team, and attend games starting Monday, December 21st yes. after week, the Week 15 game. Yeah, so right when he's eligible to come back. Yep. So. Which would be the week before the Rams game. Yeah, the, week, the Monday of the Rams week. Which is yes. an interesting game. But I'm, if you remember, his lasting moment on the Seahawks was that deep catch in the Carolina game where he made like a ridiculous play. Do you remember that from last year? I do. He made like a diving outstretched an overthrown ball. The thing with him, and to answer your question before, Brian, just like a, like a lot of comedians say, you always want to leave the audience wanting more. He always leaves fans wanting more because he usually gets suspended or something will go wrong. Like right when he's starting to get comfortable. And that's why fans are just fascinated with him. He was just starting to come into his own. He was starting to fit in, and then boom, he's gone. Yeah, and, and we don't have to dive too deep into this, but I do think it's important to uh, illustrate a little bit of the circumstances of what happened last year. So this kind of came out after the fact, but Josh Gordon's brother died last year, and as a result, he relapsed, and you know, obviously, a very difficult situation for everyone, but that's a heavy heavy situation you know like your brother passed away your brother died um i'm not you know making excuses for him for violating nfl rules or anything like that but i i think josh is a good dude like i, I really do um i'd much rather have him on this team than like an and it's very telling they brought him back yeah, like this team believes in him. Russell is constantly checking in on him. It says in this ESPN media report, like Pete Carroll loves the guy. This this team loves Josh Gordon. There's a bond there. Uh, they clearly care about him. And I, 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 I don't know what type of person you have to be to not root for Josh Gordon to succeed here. Yeah, the, I think that's a great point. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Because I think the Seahawks had a similar situation where Al Woods got suspended last year. And I think the Seahawks felt burned by that. I think their response to that, who had a PD suspension versus what happened with Josh, and you mentioned with, with his brother, I think it's a remarkably different message and a remarkably different relationship. And I think that kind of shows why. Well, I agree with a lot of what you said. The, the Seahawks part for me is a little bit rings, rings false because – they were interested in Antonio Brown, or at least like there was talk about that. And, and so I think you, I think the three of us are very much on the same page that Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown are very different. Like people talk about suspensions and they're getting in trouble. Like Antonio Brown is doing things to other people. 
and yeah. is accused of doing things to other people and is quitting on his teammates over really ridiculous things that in selfish choices like Josh Gordon is self-harming um, essentially and is is an, an addict I mean he is an addict that is that is a reality and he's got he's got mental health issues that he works through I think people relate to that and I think you give a little more grace um, to someone who's going through that kind of challenge versus somebody who is actually harming other people very different situation and and i think all of us are that's well that's why the three of us i think at least don't bat an eye about the team giving him another chance yeah so somebody just to shift the conversation a little bit somebody in the chat asked what his contract looked like i think that's a really good question so back in early september i think it was september 3rd they signed him to a one-year deal 910k base salary um, and $80,000 in per game roster bonuses. So if you divide that 910 by 16, so on a per game, what's he paid on a per game basis? It's $56,000. So you times $56,000 by the two remaining games that he's eligible for, basically 100K, 110K, something like that. 110K plus uh, 160,000. So that's what Josh is going to cost the team the rest of the year. $270,000 um, for the regular season, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to dream on this one, right guys? Like worst case scenario doesn't end up becoming a factor and you, you still end up with the same great offense you've got and, and feel good about that. But there is a chance and it's, it's, it's a non-zero chance. Right. And I would say it's, it's maybe even greater than 10%. Maybe it's greater than 20% that he ends up making the offense meaningfully better. Like just at the end of the season when no team, literally no team will have any tape on how they're going to use Josh Gordon. And, and like the earliest he's really realistically going to play is that second to last game of the season. And that's if they activate him immediately the first week he practices. I think there's, maybe a 30, 70 chance that he'd play in that Rams game. My guess is he probably his first game would be against the 49ers, but let's say he plays against the 49ers. They have one game of tape going into the playoffs and then the Seahawks can do whatever the hell they want with him. That's a pretty unique advantage. Um, and, and if he ends up being what we kind of hope he could be, that could be a hell of a ride in the playoffs, like just at the right time. So I think I, I like dreaming about that a little bit. I don't know about you guys. Um, okay, so let's talk about specifically about uh, how we expect him to get built in. Speaking of, of kind of expectations. Right now, David Moore is your, your third receiver. Um, I want to hear from both of you. And we'll start with you, Evan. Josh Gordon, first game back. You want him getting number three receiver targets or number four receiver targets over David Moore? I definitely want him getting David Moore's targets. I, I really do. And that's not shitting on David Moore. I think I think he's young and capable and has a decently high ceiling, I think, of being a, potentially a wide receiver, solid wide receiver too in the NFL. But I think right now Josh Gordon's Josh Gordon is better. Uh, I will add that, uh, David Moore did not look healthy. And I think we talked about that in, in the, 
in the post game show on Sunday. He does not look healthy. I, I would, I would sit him in the next couple of weeks. In fact, I would, I would make him inactive. Um, maybe even give Penny Hart because he he's a receiver on this team right now, an active receiver. Penny Hart is. Yeah, I think he's at that wide receiver four or five slot right now. Um, yeah, no, I, I I want Josh Gordon taking his reps. I have I obviously don't want him going into Lockett or 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 Metcalf's reps, but um, I I think I, I do think Russell and him have a bond, and their like consistent big time conversions last year just before he was suspended I think lends credibility to that. I think Josh Gordon can come in clutch for this offense. I think we haven't seen the best of Josh Gordon yet in Seattle. And I think the best part about adding Josh, in my opinion, uh, honestly, is the injury insurance. Like if, if DK were to go down, God forbid, or, or Lockett were to get seriously injured, you, you could still feel comfortable, you know, in your wide receiver group. I think that, I think that's the, that's why he adds so much value to their position group. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, that was my point. Evan stole it. So <laughs> Um, yeah, if Lockett gets banged up or Metcalf, and all of a sudden you have, say Metcalf gets injured pr- prior to this news, you have Lockett, Moore, and Freddie Swain as your three receivers. Having Josh Gordon sitting there as a possible option is a large upgrade. That what Evan said can't be understated enough. And to add also what Evan said, Josh David Moore had a really good start to the year. He had a huge some big plays in that New England game, Dallas game, Miami. He had a fifty-seven yarder. Here are his last couple of games. Uh, San Francisco, three catches for 18 yards. Buffalo, he had no, basically nothing until garbage time where he had that 55-yard touchdown. Uh, Rams, three catches for 16 yards. Arizona, two catches for five yards. Philadelphia, three catches minus six yards. And a touchdown. And a touchdown. He has five I, touchdowns this year, which is great. Fe- from- I was just going to say, Jeff, he feels like a really streaky player. He is. He is. And that's him. You don't think that's – you don't feel like he's a streaky I, player? I think that's the life of a number three receiver when you got two legit number one receivers. And he's just going to I get- think he's just more of a – like he's really good with the ball in his hands going vertically and horizontally. He's really good at getting deep on guys. But like traditional routes, and he's good at the crossing routes, like he's not the guy you have running a slant route or a comeback route. or He's limited as a route runner. Sure. And so he's kind of an all-or-nothing type of player. I think that's just him. It's interesting. I, I think I think it's more situational, and, and I know that's a hedge answer, but, like, Josh Gordon is not the guy that you're going to have running a jet sweep. Like, that's not his game. And, yes, David Moore looked like crap on the, the last one at the goal line, you know, which Schottenheimer even today talked about how bad of a play call it was. Good for you, Shotty. That was a terrible, terrible play call. Did he really say that? Yeah. He Thank did. God. He owns, okay. he owns his shit. I like that about him. But um, I think there are, there are plays and routes, even like wide receiver screens. David Moore is a guy, I think, that is better suited to that kind of play than Josh Gordon. Yeah. Um, Josh Gordon is going to be a guy that can actually help you on a third down, on a slant route, clutch play. He's a guy – I think they both can run deep balls. But, like um, – yeah, I, I think that I think it just it kind of depends on the matchup and it depends on the game plan. And I think you can mix and match those guys. Um, they both have a place to play. I think what, what you really you end up saying is Freddie Swain, bye. Like, you know, he, he and, and I think 
there's no doubt that David Moore and Josh Gordon are significant step a step up from Freddie Swain. Even though Freddie Swain's had a decent rookie year, like I don't think there's a comparison. Um, in fact, I don't know about you guys, but the guy that I think would that would be potentially displaced on the roster is not Penny Hart. I think it might be Freddie Swain. And the reason the being f- is slander. Yeah, it, it, here's the reason. Special teams? Yeah, like fifth and sixth receivers, their roles are special teams. And Freddie Swain, as far as I know, is not a special teams player. At least he's not a core special teams player. Penny Hart has made some tackles on special teams and I think has some some snaps there. So I think it, it would be a shame. Like, I don't think Freddie Swain would get picked up if they had to put him on waivers, but I, I think that that might be the – the risk you have to run or you could ir travis homer oh travis homer is absolutely vital for this offense he is a great they, special they can't player. function without him Yeah, but if he's a banged up travis homer they're, they're dead in the water jeff they're done they okay. can't function without travis homer yeah they have a couple guys on their roster they have um jason stanley lennon stevens yeah I think you got to have numbers at certain positions though. I don't know how carrying yeah. like 75 receivers is really a good idea. No, I agree <laughs> with you with Swain though. If you're, cause they don't need to activate Gordon until week 16. So that's an easy like injury stash. If you kind of probably, yeah, probably. So, so, but here, I want to throw a curveball at you guys. So let's, so Philip Dorsett a month ago got surgery to get bone spurs removed. He's just getting the walking boot off. Probably not going to come back is my guess, but let's say, let's just say for discussion's sake, let's say that he's ready roughly the same time frame. What do the Seahawks do? I mean, obviously I think we, let's just assume that Josh Gordon is part of the plan. What do you do with Philip Dorsett? Probably nothing. Tell me, tell me more about that, Jeff. I'm on the fence. I just don't know what those five guys, you're not how you fit him in. And if he's got a bad foot and speeds his game and timings his game, I think you might just have to eat the L on that one. Cause I just don't know how you can carry, especially what Brian just said, they, they value special teams and the, every team values special teams at the bottom of the roster. I don't think the Seahawks are, would. I think the Seahawks would rather carry Penny Hart. <laughs> how would you guys feel, and how do you think Seahawks fans would react if the Seahawks ended up bringing Dorsett on and did not bring Gordon on? Like Gordon is just a practice squad. Guy. As as stressed as I was during that whole Snacks Harrison thing. I think people would lose their ever love. Yeah, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty pissed because the snacks stuff was like right when the peak of the Seahawks bad defense, and I just wanted any sign of hope. And snacks has been incredibly useless considering how much time we've spent on him. He has one tackle. Yeah, like he seems like he's fitting in really well, and he's a good guy to have in certain matchups. But like we spent a lot of time on him, and it's been quiet. So we talked a lot about Clowney too. Yeah, Brian tried to bring up this point last night. Uh, a lot of the defensive alignment that we wanted have completely flopped with their new teams. Almost all of them. 
funny how life works like that. Robert Quinn was the guy like we all thought like value. I don't think no, Brian. No. I was never a Robert Quinn guy. He, he stinks this year. Like you he, guys love Robert, especially Nathan. Nathan is like wants his baby. Like I don't know what his obsession <laughs> with Robert. He's been on it for years. That's Robert. because Robert Quinn terrorized him with the Rams, and he did. <laughs> I think Nathan just likes value, and he thought. He was valued because he was. I don't know if that was really a value deal. He well, said. I just thought, no, no, he got way more money than anyone thought. Yeah. But this is the thing with Nathan, and we can talk about him because he's not here. Is that <laughs> is that uh, for all the like calm demeanor and like analytical front that he puts on, there he's got these little fan fandom things in him where he's irrational and he has these little favorite players that he just kind of loves and robert quinn is one of those guys rasheem green is one of those guys he he he's he lights up when rasheem did we talk about rasheem green yet like (laughs) (laughs) so i like that about nathan i like that it's one of the things i like about nathan um i will tell you on snacks harrison okay oh boy here we go no, I've noticed this because I've been watching carefully. Um, he is his trajectory is going up. His trajectory is going up. He is he is actually he was more disruptive in this last game um, than he had been in the previous games. I felt like I noticed a couple of plays where he was in the backfield or or causing disruption. And I went to look at PFF. His grade, um, like run defense, is what he's known for. Started at 54 first game, went to 61 second game, went to 65 last game. So he is, I think, working himself back into football, you know, game shape. And I think we can, it could be even this week, we start seeing some flash plays from Damon Harrison. So I'm not, I have not decided that he is going to be a, you know, a nothing. Um, It's okay. We're all in the same boat, slowly working ourselves back into shape. So I'm 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 actually... I'm definitely going the other way. Now that it's cold in Toronto, I'm getting I'm getting bad. Uh, um, all right, can Evan, you've you've talked about this a couple times. So before I, I I move off into some other topics, how do you feel about like the handling of this? Like the NFL's the NFL has this weird thing where it's just super secretive, and all of a sudden, like Thursday in the middle of the season, like Josh Gordon's gonna be reinstated with two games to go in the season. Like it seems very arbitrary. doesn't make much sense. And it's not just that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll has no idea. They, they signed him because they thought there was indications he was going to get reinstated much, much earlier. Josh Gordon had no idea. So there's, it's like this complete black box about how they make these decisions and what's going on. Like you seem pretty, annoyed why like what about the way the nfl handled this bothers you yeah there just seems to be a complete lack of transparency and communication among all parties involved um he applied so i have a real single source of confusion and maybe it's just an maybe it's just a technical misunderstanding of the rules but he applied for reinstatement in it was either in june or july maybe it was early august but i know it's the off season one of those three months The NFL, per the CBA, has a 60-day window to respond to him. As far as I know, they did not respond to him and give him a decision in that 60-day window. Obviously, we're here on December 3rd. 
you know, today it was announced by Roger Goodell in a letter that he'll be conditionally reinstated in, in week 16. Um, it just, it just feels like kind of like a dictatorship. <laughs> like it's just, however, Roger Goodell is feeling and, uh, that's how he's going to rule and effectively apply these, um, you know, player misconduct and, uh, what's the word like substance abuse cases. It just feels very inconsistent, uh, not transparent and unclear. Like it, it just like, I don't know if you guys saw recently Antonio Brown was like recently not, I don't know if the right words indicted, but he was recently involved in like another assault case where he like threw something like a piece of furniture at some employee in his like townhome HOA or in his, or in his house HOA uh, community. Like it, the only reason I'm bringing up Antonio Brown is because it feels like the NFL plays favorites, favorites a little bit. And the Josh Gordon situation is just really, I understand the performance enhancing side of things, but the substance abuse stuff, especially with how they've changed recent rules on how they approach marijuana in the NFL it just his he seems to be really treated unfairly by this league and i feel bad for him i really do that's so interesting jeff i don't know if you have the same take but like i it's hard for me to say the nfl treats him unfairly because the guy is has like broken the rules like repeatedly like over well, let me and be over clear. and over again i don't think they've treated him unfairly relative to the rules of the CBA in the past. I think this particular instance of how it was, at least in terms of how it was reported, in terms of the communication dialogue and the expiration of that 60-day window, there's some real confusion and I think concern from me on that. So I'm talking about this particular instance, not yeah. not previous stuff. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with the how they handle this versus how they're handling the Antonio Brown thing seems very odd to me. Um, uh, Jeff, you know, feel free to comment on the, on the way they've handled it. But the other part that's interesting and, and Evan started talking about it is <laughs> Josh Gordon has been suspended multiple times for, for smoking weed. Um, and the rules have changed in the CBA for how to handle that. Do you think that this is the, you know, maybe the best chance Josh Gordon's had to stay in the league um, relative to, to where, you know, he's, he's had problems before. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The majority of his suspensions have been related to marijuana. And I think there's a pretty good case that players for pain, for pain control, for mental health. I think there's a lot of positive benefits of marijuana and they've always looked kind of archaic in that front. And it's good they finally changed the tune. I know last year he also had a PED suspension. So that was part of it. It was a combination. But yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest issues holding him back from playing. It's mostly been marijuana-related stuff. And correct me if I'm wrong about that, but that's no longer a big issue. It's it's a, it's a positive thing. And really, it's just the NFL is just so arbitrary. Like there's no consistency in their what they do, who they do with the Antonio. There was a thing last year where Jaron Reed got suspended six games from like a case from three years ago. And then like Tyreek Hill was almost like there were some bad stories that came out about him and he didn't get one suspension. And it's just stuff like that. It's just consistently inconsistent. 
And it's been probably the biggest black mark on Roger Goodell, how bad he's been at player discipline. And I just don't understand how, like what Evan said, how you go from like the team was under the impression he was about to get reinstated. Like that came from local guys that came from national guys. Not only did they not do that, they didn't communicate with the Seahawks. Like every time, like the question would be brought up, Pete would be like, we haven't heard shit. And to me, that's just embarrassing management and leadership. Like all you have to say is we haven't decided yet, or we're still working on this, or we are going to give them 10 games. Like it's probably a low priority for them. Here's the thing. There's no excuse for the lack of communication. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. Like, even if their opinion is, is bad and dumb, and, and they say that we're not going to, you know, unban him for five years, at least communicate it, at least have dialogue, at That's least what, set clear, expe- set clear expectations. Why week 16? Like, what is that? It's so arbitrary. I think that the general thought there is it's basically a year suspension. I think, yeah. I think that's the logic behind it. Um, yeah, if just, I had to guess, but you so know, like. it, it is weird. <laughs> We didn't get to talk. I mean, I don't think we talked about it, but you guys remember that Jamal Adams picture that he put on social when he was hurt and uh, he took a picture of himself with the helmet on, you know, exactly where I'm going with this, don't you? I I do. And uh, I didn't realize that you caught that or others caught that. Are you serious? Yeah. He was standing in front of his TV with a Seahawks helmet on and his legs were apart and you could see between his legs on his coffee table, there was like a glass with a, a, a blunt, clearly like just like sitting there. And then he, he deleted it and reposted the picture and it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and <laughs> Is Cable Thanos doing some like Photoshopping on I the side know. for players? <laughs> so funny. And I just imagine like Josh Gordon's like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, I'm sitting on the sidelines and this guy is posting it on Twitter. Like, come on. I bet they're celebrating right now uh, over at somebody's house. But um, all right. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about um, injury news uh, um, before we, we kind of wrap tonight. But anything else on the Josh Gordon front, um, you know, that you guys think that we should talk about that we haven't covered yet. Um, the only thing I'll say is like, if he plays well and stays in good graces with the NFL, like they should look at bringing him back next year. The Seahawks should. Yeah. On like a low cost deal. I, I just think like, if he can stay in good graces and he produces for them down the stretch here, why not bring him back? Think about it. A hundred. I, I I have to think that at most, given his risk situation, at most he's going to command one to two million a year. I honestly yeah. believe it'll he's be a that. league guy at this point. And I don't think there's many teams outside of Seattle interested in him. To be well, honest, I think there will be. But the thing is, is Josh Gordon has made it very clear. Seattle's his home now. He likes it here. He's close with Rush. He's Russ. He's close to the team. I don't think he wants. I think it's like a Damon Harrison thing. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. So I think the Seahawks can get him in a good deal, maybe at his happiest, and smoke all the weed he wants. And I was gonna say the weed's legal. <laughs> you know, like he he can he can go have a good old time, play good football. I like that idea. Um. All right. So let's just talk. You know, since we 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 um 
did our show last night, updated injury information. Um, first on the giant side, I think that's the bigger, bigger thing. Daniel Jones hurt his hamstring last week. Um, it looked like he was going to be out maybe multiple weeks. Um, and then, you know, he didn't practice yesterday, but then they had him, you know, video came out of him like throwing and working and he looked pretty comfortable doing that. And there's been some positive news in terms of uh, his health, but he also did not practice again today. So first question to both of you is right now with what you know, do you think Daniel Jones is playing on Sunday? Um, and the second question is, do you think it matters? So um, uh, Jeff, let's start with you. I do not think Daniel Jones will play on Sunday. I think that injury is really tough. I think it's really tough and it kind of messes with your mind where you think you're okay, but then you physically try to go out there and it's really hard to maintain it. I know he, he was on the field today, but it wasn't really able to practice much. So he's got one more day. I think it's, I think it's asking a lot for him to get out there, but really, I don't know how much it matters. Cole McCoy is pretty bad and he'll have a week to prepare, but if you have Daniel Jones, who's a real up and down player, he's kind of like a, a worse version of Josh Allen, a very similar style and size and, but if he's like really hampered, that kind of takes away from his game. And he's got accuracy issues to begin with. He's a good mover. If he can't move and he's just like a statue out there, I think that's a really easy player to defend, and especially with the Seahawks' new pass rush and some of their like Jamal Adams' ability to get after the quarterback. So I'm not too concerned. Obviously, it'd be much more, much easier to think we're playing against Colt McCoy, but I don't think really it matters. So this idea just popped into my mind and you can, you guys can tell me if I'm batshit insane, but considering the potential severity and chances of reoccurring injury with hamstrings, is it possible that the Seahawks have a better chance of beating the giants with an injured David Jones out there or Daniel Jones than a Colt McCoy or am I insane? Say that again. You think that the Seahawks? No, I. I my question is: Do the Seahawks? Yeah, do the Seahawks have a better chance with an injured Daniel jo Daniel Jones? I almost said Daniel Joint Daniel Jones over a healthy Colt <laughs> McCoy. I'm not. Okay. I, I think because he's he's more mobile than people realize. No, Daniel, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he's except when he's wide open after an 80 yard run. Um, <laughs> guy, guy can get tackled by a, a fruit fly but um no he's i think what people have that people remember daniel jones from earlier in this season when he was like not playing well he's been playing really well lately like really well and if i asked you guys you know i'm setting it up intentionally who is the number one deep passer in the nfl this year Number one is Daniel Jones. On what metric? Passer rating on deep throws. So he has a 143.1 passer rating. Um, you know, a 63. So surprising. A 63% adjusted completion rate. He has five touchdowns, no interceptions on those throws. Like, do you know what they call him, Brian? Don't say deep Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> No, they don't, but that's funny. They call him Danny Dimes. Is that not funny? 
It's not as funny as deep. Yeah, we went there. But anyway, I mean, I don't think he's great. I don't think he's great, but he's certainly better than he could be on one leg and he's better than Colt McCoy. Yeah, he's, he's just there's a real shot that he goes if he plays on Sunday, he could go deep into us on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> just tell God damn is that, it. Man. Is that not wrong? It, it is wrong. It is wrong on multiple levels. But but uh anyway, I, I think I don't think he's gonna play. I I don't want him to play because I, I really feel like if he doesn't play, the Seahawks have I think a better than 50% chance of blowing out the giants and they have, and I don't say that lately. I said it last night. I'm doubling down. I think this game could be a laugher and I, I would be so down to watch just a Seahawks comfortable victory. And I, you know, so I, I don't think he's going to play. I hope he doesn't play. I, I think it matters, but I, I don't think he will. Um, as far as the Seahawks injury news, um, we talked about Carlos Dunlap. Um, sounds like decent news. Doesn't sound like a serious thing with his foot. Uh, he has not practiced either day. I don't think any of us expect him to play. Is that, are we, are we all aligned there? Yeah. Right. I don't think it matters that much. I mean, I think it, it would definitely be great to have him, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to play. Um, a couple other folks though, um, that are of note. So Chris Carson, um, you know, uh, Pete said he was sore coming out of the game, but Carson has been limited in practice the first two days, but he has practiced. Carlos Hyde went from limited yesterday to not practicing today, um, with a toe injury. So, uh, how do you guys feel about that? Like, that's not turf toe, right? Don't know what kind of toe it is. It's a toe. He's got a toe. That's how they say it. He's got a toe. Did you guys know? Do you guys know what turf toe injury actually is? Oh, dude, it's not good. I learned about this like last year. I thought it was like, oh, they got like a bad scratch or some shit on their toe. No, it's disgusting. It's horrible. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that's a really good advertisement for looking at <laughs> it's horrible. It's awesome. look, it, look up. it up. Go like look. Food stuffs. Have a bite. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, I, mean, I think it's looking like it looks like Hyde won't play. I think there's a decent chance he won't play. I think it's a good game for him to not play. Hyde or Carson? Hyde. Based on just the no practice. There's yeah. Him going for it's it's not a good thing generally when they go from limited when they go down and they especially if they're going from some practicing to no practicing. Yeah. I don't think that's usually a particularly good sign. We'll see we'll see tomorrow. But I don't think this is a game where the Seahawks should run very much. Um the clear strength of the defensive line on they don't have like a great edge rusher. They have three huge defensive end slash tackles. They have Leonard Williams. Dexter Lawrence, who was a first round pick from Clemson. He's our pure run stuffer, not a pass rusher. And they have, who's the third one? Someone who else is pretty good. I can't think of his name right now. Let me check for a second. What's the update on Brandon Shell on our side? He's not going to practice. He's not going to play. He hasn't played. Oh, Dalvin Tomlinson, Alabama. Yeah. So those guys just are like space cloggers more than pass rushers. So I think 
yeah, it would be bad if I can't play given Carson's, Carson's status, but I think this is a game where it kind of sets up similar to that Tampa Bay game last year, where it's like it's pretty obvious how they should attack the Giants. And if you don't have Hyde this week, maybe you throw more, use DJ Dallas in space, keep the, the big guys healthy. I think what Evan said, the Brandon Shell thing is super concerning because it doesn't seem like they're – or there's no indication they're making a switch there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Brandon Shell was the other injury like that, that for sure. But, I mean, let's just – for the running back, just close on that for a second. I think Hyde doesn't play. They might play Carson. I got to tell you guys, I'm kind of tempted to say don't play either of them. Like, like be good enough that you don't need to play those players. Give them the extra week of rest. Like Carson, especially like I, unless the injury he's got is one that it's just, he's going to have to manage it all year. And there's not going to be a point where he really feels better, but like, I'd, I'd, I would just sit Carson too and see what you can do with DJ Dallas. I don't know. Do they have any call-ups left on Alex Collins? I don't think so. I think they'd have to activate him. I would burn him even like, like sign him and then have to cut him or whatever. Like, you know, who who cares? Um, I would do something like that this week. Travis Homer's not going to play. You can IR Homer and bring him back in three weeks. Yeah. That's an interesting, that, that might be an, that might be the play. That yeah. might be the right thing to do. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I don't know. Did you guys agree? I mean, would you would you want them to sit Carson? Even if that uh, yeah. was your guy? Yeah. You want him for the playoffs. You want him as healthy as possible. You're going to need him on a run if you're going to make a Super Bowl run. The Giants are better defensively than people think. Like they play really hard given their limitations. So this game might not be super easy on the offense, but – Again, you have to think long term and you have to think big picture. Winning this game is not nearly as important as being having Carson ready for the playoffs. Yeah. So a couple other injuries, and then we'll we'll, we'll wrap up tonight. But um, we already talked about Brandon Shell. Uh, I'm braced to see another week of uh, a boy. He like that. I, I have a feeling they're just going to tell themselves he's just getting his feet under him and give him another week. And I think he's going to look like crap again. I have no confidence that that guy's got upside. I just think he's, I think he's a less talented version of Jermaine Fetty. Like I think he's really bad. Um, so I'm not happy about that. Um, but Brandon shell, as far as I'm concerned, he can miss next week too against the jets. Like take all the time he needs as long as hopefully he's back for the Rams game. That would be nice. Um, if you can be back, but be back. the Washington game wouldn't be bad either. Given that, no, you need him for the Washington game probably. Um, and then the other one that I want to talk about though was was Trey Flowers. Mm. So yeah. here's a guy that's gone from like a guy we wanted to never see in the lineup at all to arguably the guy that's been their best cornerback for the last six weeks, um, and. Uh, he is looking like he's not going to play. He has missed the first two days of practice with a hamstring injury. Um, not likely that they're going to all of a sudden recover the last day, but maybe, but let's assume he's not going to play. I, I assume we all think that DJ Reed will just slide in there um, and, and play opposite of Shaquille Griffin. Yes. I think so. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Evan? I'm somebody who's been pretty excited about how Trey Flowers has played recently, but I'm not sure 
going down to DJ Reed for one game is a significant drop off. I'm not, I'm, it might be, but I'm just not convinced of it yet. Uh, Jeff, am I being too optimistic or? No, DJ Reed got snaps at outside corner when Shaq was out and he's been prepared for this. And the three receivers they're playing are kind of smaller, faster guys. So that kind of fits more Reed's game anyway. Mm-hmm. And the three receivers are Shepard, Tate, and Darius Slayton. They don't have that big body possession guy. So it's not the end of the world in this matchup, but in a certain matter, like even next week where the Jets actually have pretty interesting receivers like Perriman and Denzel Mims. And that's a matchup where you almost want Trey Flowers in the field. So if they can rest him to get him back for the Rams game and have him healthy. Yeah. I don't think it's such a big deal, but yeah. Trey Flowers has been playing well and I was someone really, really hard on him. So we'll see. We'll see on that one. Yeah. I, I mean, Honestly, I feel like they could play Lyndon Stevens against Colt McCoy. I don't, I don't think that's mm-hmm. – I, I don't think this is the week to worry too much about it in terms of, of, of who you got throwing the ball. Um, but, you know, let's just hope Flowers is able to heal up. It is going to be interesting next week, guys. Pete Carroll has said that they expect Quentin Dunbar back next week. Now, he's been off in terms of when he said guys are going to come back. But let's assume he does. Um, I – I can't say for sure who's going to be the starting corner when both of those guys are available. Trey's played, Trey's played better than Dunbar. I mean, does Dunbar deserve a starting spot right now? Like, like does he deserve he it? I think he has to earn it, too. Like, I don't does. think he's clearing uh, – Brian, I don't think he's clearing in a way like the best option there. Because he not only be. he banged up, it didn't seem like he was playing the scheme very well, which is what Pete has kind of alluded to. Those comments were concerning. Yeah. That's I can't I, get over that. He seemed to be upset with how he was, like his aggressiveness off the line and his press technique. And it seemed like he was kind of guessing out there. And I, I think until he kind of figures that out and the health, I think he's got to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. I my gut is he is a better corner than Trey Flowers. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree believe that. that to be true. And and I saw some signs from him early in the season. He was doing things in terms of anticipating routes and breaking on on passes that honestly neither Shaquille nor Trey have shown that they can do. So I think from the sense that like turnovers have gotten a little bit hard to come by lately. Um, and anybody you can put in the lineup that's going to help you take the ball away to me is a, is a pretty big factor. So even as bad as Quentin Dunbar was the last time we saw him, which was abysmally bad, like really, really bad. I still would, if he's healthy, I would want to see him rotating and getting reps. I, I, I would, that's how I would handle it. I would literally rotate series to series or every few series flowers, Dunbar and kind of just see how those guys play um, uh, and, and go from there. But it's, it's cool. I mean, it, guy, I mean, we've all talked about this in the chat. Number one priority in the off season, you know, for next off season is cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that's because of the contract situation, but for right now, the Seahawks, they don't have like the top shelf, like shut down, like this guy's amazing pro bowler but they've got five guys 
that you feel comfortable playing? Am, am I like Shaquille Griffin, Trey Flowers, Quentin Dunbar, DJ Reed, Ugo Amadi? Right? Like, that's a none of those guys are like disasters in my mind. I think Dunbar has to prove that he, you know, he's. I, I put a lot of it on injury. I just don't think he's that bad. But I think there's a legitimate case, a legitimate argument you can make that with the way Trey Flowers is trending pre-injury, he deserves to start when he's healthy. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I, I do see your point, Brian, though. They really don't have a corner with great ball skills. And that's what made this defense so good in its prime, just like how easily Sherman could take the ball away. And well, the, yeah, finish the thought. Sorry. Jeff. Yeah, it's just Dunbar, like in that Patriots game, he swung the game with like he, he almost picked off a pass early. He he was a former receiver. His anticipation and ball skills are way further along than any other corner, just proving that he can handle basic comeback routes and those basics were crushing him this year. Yeah. Which game was it that – Trey was thrown like a ball directly into his chest and it just like went up in the air. Do you remember that play? Was that the Patriots? Just go up into the air. That is not how it happened. It game landed in his belly and then he kicked it to the receiver. <laughs> it was a Dolphins game? Or like a 17 yard gain. Oh, that was so painful. <laughs> that play, I never thought I'd recall. about that. Oh, I was, I was, you guys mentioned ball skills and my first thought went to, okay, Shaquille Griffin hasn't learned how to intercept the ball in four years. You have to okay. turn around to actually catch the football. <laughs> yes. And then Trey Flowers, has Trey had an interception this year? I don't no. think so. No way. Yeah. Trey's but, been like, he's been getting better just like taking away the deep ball and getting beaten over the top. Mm-hmm. He still gives up like a ton of cushion and easy yards, but no, totally. He but, just does, it's not his game. Like he's not, he's never shown he has that. No, totally. Yeah. I hear you. He forced a couple of fumbles with punch outs earlier in his career, but yeah, there's a story that he learned from, you know, peanut Tillman and whatever. Yeah, well, that's that really come back. <laughs> I, 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 the other thing I like about Dunbar when healthy is he's actually been a good tackler in his career. And if there's another thing that Trey has struggled with is tackling. Um, the tackling was a bit shoddy last game, wasn't it? Like It was. It was. And I would say the biggest plays that Trey's given up over the last few weeks has been due to missed tackles, not necessarily due to bad coverage. So um, anyway, so that's, that's kind of where things are on the injury situation. I, I don't think there's any other big news there. Um, uh but yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, good news on the Josh Gordon front. I think we're all excited about that. Um, I think Seahawks are set up for what hopefully will be a solid, solid game this week. Um, <laughs> it better be. And uh, anything else before we uh, we call it a wrap on this uh, special Thursday, ver- you know, edition of Real Hawk Talk, fellas. I'm trying to think if there's any pending Seahawks news that I'm really looking forward to. Rashad Penny, can he, he, there's no zero percent chance he's coming back for this game, right? Zero percent. He didn't practice this week. We okay. haven't heard anything about Taylor or Penny. I mean, I, I, so Taylor is apparently, I think, late in the week. They've apparently like they're at the point where they're ready to let him go, but they they need to get like an official clearance from outside doctors. 
So Pete was saying that like they pushed him as far as they can push him. They just need, they, he said he's getting a couple medical looks this week. And if they give him the go ahead, so maybe he's worried about something or doesn't want, wants to see if he's, ooh, so it doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound like he'll play. Yeah. My guess is he's not going to now. I think they're, they're, they're playing against the clock now. Like how much time? Exactly. I mean, we, I think we just have to hope that Dunlap's injury is is not serious. Because um, if, if it is for whatever reason, if it turns out it's more serious than Pete's let on, then Taylor, I think you may you might take more of a chance and just see what you can get from him. Um, but but if Dunlap's healthy, like if he can play next week or whatever, or even the week after, yeah, it seems unlikely that Taylor's yeah, going to spot. Yeah. These games always kind of scare me though. Like the games are like everyone's just like assuming they win. I don't know. Are you you worried they're you worried they're gonna lose or like no, I'm worried it's gonna be unnecessarily unnecessarily stressful. That's the that's the way of things with this team. That is the yeah. that is the best bet. But I the ways that that would happen would just have to be like, I mean, Seattle would have to really shit the bed. Like they really have to like they haven't done that that much this season where they've just like played really poorly. The, yeah, Bills the game. Rams game. Rams and Bills games, really. Yeah. And I don't think the Giants are they don't have like the only thing they have that is close to like dominant is their interior defensive line. Yeah. Their their secondary is good. And then that's it. Their corners are not great. But yeah. 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 You're, right. you're right. I'm probably I'm probably just have too much anxiety right now. <laughs> Um, all right, guys. Uh, let's call that a night a wrap. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for everybody that, that came on. Always great to have hundreds of folks, hundreds of Hawks fans coming together talking. And if you want to keep the conversation going, um, patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. Head over there right now. Five bucks gets you in or sign up for a year. Get a great deal on, on doing that. And uh, like we said before, it is a perfect holiday gift uh get someone access that you know loves the seahawks um get them as part of the community um they'll love it we'll we'll be happy to have them and uh click subscribe give us a like if you haven't already for the video we'd appreciate it and um we will be back with you guys all sunday afternoon i i will tell you i'm playing with fire i i have started to try to play around a round of golf before Seahawks games on Sunday. So I'm going to try to get a round of golf in prior to a one o'clock kickoff. And these are two things I love almost equally right now. And so it will be, if I'm coming around to 18 and I'm like worried, I'm going to miss the kickoff. I'm going to have a very hard decision about whether I start watching it on delay or whether I just cut and run and skip the, skip the 18th. But, uh, we will talk to you all soon. It's great to great to great to see you tonight. And uh, with that, go Hawks.